You are listening to the Healthy Essentials Podcast, episode number 24. I'm Lindsay Mustard, your host, holistic nutritionist, personal trainer, and the dieter who's done them all. I've come out of a four-year-long eating disorder battle and have surfaced and am now eating my favorite things, and I'm loving it, and I'm healthy at the same time. I'm here to show you how to do the same by keeping healthy simple, and you don't have to deprive yourself of your favorite foods. So... Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I interviewed a good friend of mine. Her name is Jennifer Cameron. She is an Ottawa-based doula. We talked about all things babies, periods, and fertility. So without further ado, I want to welcome and introduce you to my good friend, Jen, who is on a mission to help others deliver babies in the most natural way possible while being coached, comforted, and loved throughout the entire process. Let's get ready to learn all about what a doula is, why your period and your fertility cycle is important and how to make sure that you are keeping yourself hormonally balanced throughout all of it. A huge shout out to today's sponsor, Love Good Fats, a Toronto-based company that specializes in making rapper-looking-worthy keto bars packed with healthy fats, clean protein, and a whole lot of fiber. If you're addicted to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, their chocolate peanut butter will be your new favorite go-to snack. With flavors ranging from mint chocolate to peanut butter, dark chocolate almond, coconut chocolate chip, peanut butter and jelly, and chocolate chip cookie dough, they have a flavor for everyone. The best part about Love Good Fats? Each bar contains less than two grams of sugar and an average of four to five net carbs. Hello, keto-friendly bars. So yes, you can eat healthy and have your chocolate too. And to sweeten the deal, all bars are free from soy, sugar alcohols, and gluten. Order your bars online today at lovegoodfats.ca and use the discount code LINDSAY1234 for 20% off your order. Welcome to the Healthy Essentials Podcast, everyone. I'm Lindsay Mustard, your host. Today, we're interviewing a favorite person of mine, Jennifer Cameron. We went to nutrition school together, and we were oh, like hell in a handbasket. We were so much fun. Um, but you are a little firecracker. You are one of my favorite people on earth because you can make me pee my pants laughing so hard. Um, but I'm like crippling over with like clutching my stomach, essentially, in laughs. But you are not only a nutritionist, holistic nutritionist, but you are also a doula. And I mentioned that a lot of my clients and my friends, everyone is pregnant and it's baby brains at the moment. So I thought it'd be a perfect time to bring her on an expert in her field uh, to talk about hormonal health, pregnancies, what a doula is, and to answer all of your natural birthing questions and to meet one of my favorite people in the world. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm super excited I'm to be here. I'm excited to have you. Uh, tell us all about you. So wh- where did you get started? So you're based out of Ottawa, so in case people are listening elsewhere. Uh, but you're based out of Ottawa. Have you always lived here? Uh, what have you done since uh, since coming to Ottawa or since you started your career? And tell us the backstory. I'm not sure your podcast is long enough for <laughs> my backstory, to be honest. The Reader's Digest. No, I have not always lived in Ottawa, but I have been a permanent resident of Ottawa uh, since I was 17. Um, that's not true, since I was 16. And with with the exception of a three-year stint that I did in Toronto, um, I have lived here since okay. then. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, I was originally, I went to school in Toronto to become a vet tech, so totally opposite end of what I'm doing right that. now. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I lived in Toronto for three years to do that, came home, 
worked in private practice for a while. Then I worked with the University of Ottawa in research for a while. And then unfortunately, and this is really where my my big story begins, I guess. Um, both my parents were diagnosed with cancer and uh, died very close together. So, so that was back in 2006. It's You know what? I appreciate that. But honestly, the time has time does funny things to your brain. And uh, although I miss them every day, I definitely think it's driven me to do a few things that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So I'd like to to say that, you know, their death had meaning for me, for sure. And it pushed me down this path. So um, my parents died in 2006, my dad in January, my mom in September. And that's really when I started to go, what what the hell am I doing with my life as far as health? Because I was not, I wouldn't consider myself to be super healthy at the time. I was a compulsive yo-yo dieter. Um, I tortured myself to feel good about myself, I guess. I don't know. It's a kind of a weird thing that you do in your twenties. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't moving myself any closer to this. And I was staring down this, this barrel going like, this could be my future, right? Like I could die in at their age and not have lived. Like they were both, they didn't even reach retirement age. Um, I was 32 and my dad died and I just turned 33 when my mom passed. So it really wasn't good. And I had two young kids at home. So that's where I started looking into more like natural health and how to take care of my body and how to be in control of my own stuff. So um, I'm going to give you the really abridged okay. version. I I went through, uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went through a pile of different jobs, quote unquote, and I ended up working in a chiropractic office and they really introduced me to a lot of different alternative health uh, practices that I had never really heard of before. And I thought, like, why is everybody sitting on this? If people know this stuff and it's helping people, why aren't more people doing it? And then my sister-in-law got diagnosed with breast cancer at a, like in her early 30s with two babies at home. And, you know, I went to Sudbury to be with her and speak with her about stuff. And she was seeing... Um, she was seeing this yoga person who was supposed to help her with nutrition. And so she asked her, what should I eat for protein? And the girl was like, well, I don't know. And when she was relaying the story to me, I was looking at her like, really? Like you could have all, and I started listing all this stuff off and she looked at me and she said, Jen, why aren't you doing this? And I said, you know, that is a really good question. And I went out and I registered for nutrition school shortly after. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, as a mom, I've loved babies and loved the idea of, you know, helping women to have their babies because my first son was born in the middle of the SARS epidemic. So for those who might not remember the SARS epidemic, it was a, it's an upper respiratory thing and they'd shut down hospitals and like only essential staff and nobody else was allowed to come in and no visitors and whatnot. So it was pretty bleak when I had my first son and I had a really tough labor and at the end of it, everybody was okay, but it really sucked in the middle. Yeah. And, uh, and I vowed that if anybody were to ever ask me questions, I would provide them with all the information I could possibly provide them with. And then I found out that that actually had a name and it, you could actually do it as a career. And I was like, sign me up. But I, I had to wait till my kids were old enough because being a doula takes you from your home at all hours of the day because unfortunately babies don't like to show up on a schedule. Um, and definitely 
definitely like to make an appearance when you least expect it. So now that my kids are teenagers, they can get up and get themselves to school and make themselves lunches, dinners, whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm not gone all the time, but when I am gone, it's usually the least convenient time. Yeah. So, so that's how I became a doula. Oh my gosh. And I remember when I, when we were in nutrition school, I remember you were always, and you still are very mothering. You were so kind. You always <laughs> made sure everyone had snacks, but you were also, you were just kind of like the go-to person anytime someone had an issue and they're like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. But I do remember you said that and you're like, you know, anyone who is struggling to have a kid or anyone who wants to have a baby, I just want them to have the most positive experience and, and memories. Yeah. No, that's what I love is when I do decide to have a baby far, far in the future, you will be the first person I call in <laughs> Ottawa for sure. So I would drive to you. You know that, right? Yes. I'd, get, I'd be like at home crossing my legs. I'd be like, stay in. She's not here yet. <laughs> I would just like start to linger around your neighborhood right around the time when you could potentially have your baby. Oh, I would love you can just stay with me. I, was, I might just be a raging oh. case of hormones and awful, but perfect. You know, I'll, I'll feed you. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm down. I've, I've tasted your food. Oh, it's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about your, so your journey to becoming a doula. So when you first started, you were holistic nutritionist, uh, still are, uh, but you also went into the yep. doula field, but you said that there was a period like in your twenties or so you can, if you want to talk about it or elaborate, but, um, period in your twenties where like healthy wasn't really a thing for you. And cause it, there was no balance, right? It was one extreme to the other. Can you walk us through right. kind of that process that you went through a bit of your journey there? And then we'll talk into a little bit more birthing, um, and natural, natural hormonal fixes and all that conversation. Absolutely. Um, I've never had a positive relationship with my body. P.S. This is the first time I'm sharing this publicly. So oh. I'm going to be super vulnerable yeah, with you. Please. Um, my self-worth was tied entirely to my gene size and my gene size was not the one I wanted. So I constantly felt negative about myself. And you know what? That still sometimes comes through a little bit. Um, as a more mature woman, uh, I definitely sometimes still feel like maybe nobody wants to take, you know, advice from me, or maybe it's hard for me to get out there and meet new people because I sometimes feel negative about myself, but I'm, I'm learning that it's so much more than it, than just your waist size. Um, and what I have in my brain is too precious not to share with people. So I really struggled there and that's, I, I struggled with yo-yo dieting and, you know, exercising far more than I was intaking. And I was pretty unhealthy. I was on the pill as well for many years, like 10 years, which is since we're sort of segueing back over into natural hormonal health. When you're on the pill, you do not have a period. The bleed that you have is a withdrawal bleed from the hormones, the synthetic hormones that you're pumping into your body. The birth control pill, although as a feminist, on the one hand, I'm like, yay, birth control. And on the other hand, I'm like, ooh, but birth control. Yeah. Because it does some stuff to your body that is hard to recover from. It depletes your body. It actually decreases the cervical crypts within your cervix that help to produce cervical mucus that supports sperm, um, like sperm living in your uterus until it reaches the egg to fertilize your egg. So that sounds lovely. When you're looking. <laughs> Right, right. Sorry, we're gonna get. We're gonna talk about some fun Beautiful stuff here. Though. But thank you. I'm known for yeah, my segues. So um, 
If you don't have high quality cervical mucus, you're going to have a hard time getting pregnant. That's why the pill is not ideal. Okay. So, so now you're bringing up a whole host of other questions because I just, I know you're like, I've been there. Don't worry. I'm no, so no. sorry. <laughs> um, I was actually just talking to a friend the other day and she came over and she's like, yeah, so I went off birth control. I was switching it up. And she's like, I think I'm just going to stay off there for a bit. And then she said, I had my first real period and I almost died. And just her, yes. she said it was awful. And I was like, yeah, because you're having fake periods all the time. But they, they assume that those are the symptoms, right? They have a little bit of the cramping or the bloating, but nothing to the same degree. But she's like, I was right. hunched over in pain, like just squeezing myself because it hurts so much. I'm like, hmm, welcome to menstruation. <laughs> right. So, so, so the reason for that, unfortunately, no, sorry no, no. to cut you off, Lindsay, the reason for that is because when women go to their doctors and they say, I'm struggling with X with my menstrual cycle, the doctor goes, here, take the pill. It'll help, you know, even everything out. And sure, it does because it completely takes away your normal cycle. Like it's not, you're not cycling. So you're suppressing ovulation, you're doing all this other stuff. And like I said, the bleed that you have is actually a withdrawal bleed. So you're not, the first half of your cycle, let me just give you some background yes. information. The first half of your cycle is preparing your uterus for implantation. Then in the middle of your cycle, what, however long your cycle is, and we'll talk about normal in a moment, is when you ovulate. So that egg is ovulated from your ovary, goes into your fallopian tube, does the merry little march down the fallopian merry tube. Little and <laughs> <laughs> merry little march. And that's where it meets the sperm if you're trying to get pregnant. And then the sperm, you know, um, in, sorry, the sperm and the egg meet, and then they start to create all these little cells. And that the little blastocyst is what implants into the side of your uterus, which has been thickened through the first half of your cycle to support ovulation. Where that egg and sperm, that little blastocyst um, implants into the side of your uterus is where your placenta grows from. And that's what nourishes your baby. And I don't remember why I started telling you this story. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> so, right. So the, the whole... Um, Normally, in a, in a menstrual cycle, the lining of that uterus, that extra stuff that's built up is what sheds. And that's normal. That's natural and that's normal. And it's a bunch of cells and mucus and fluids that exit through your cervix and out your vagina. And that's your menstrual cycle. If there, that happens if there is no implantation. But if there's implantation, that's what creates the placenta for your baby. Please stop me if I'm going off on a no, tangent. This is perfect. You you segue beautifully because I as soon as you were talking about periods, I was like, well, can we talk about like what a normal one is and, and what kind of goes through that cycle um, and, and what happens to your body as you're going through it. So I think a big thing is there's so many females nowadays on birth control and oftentimes it's the pill form and it's not natural forms. Like I have a, I have a copper IUD. So it's, I think it's good right. for about five years or so. So if you had replaced in two years, um, a couple of people have been concerned about IUDs and maybe, do you want to explain what they are first? Sure. So there's a variety, well, there's two different types of IUDs. You can get one that's, that's like, for example, the Mirena, um, they insert it and it, has a low dose of progesterone so it's considered a localized um, 
distribution of this. So it's not systemic. When you're taking an oral contraceptive, it's going into your body, into your bloodstream. It's considered systemic. This is localized. It's only acting on your uterus. The whole idea of um, an IUD, it's a little T-shaped object that gets inserted, is to irritate the lining of the uterus. It does not stop ovulation, but it does stop implantation. That's what it's designed to do. Um, The ones, the copper ones only stop implantation. The ones with the uh, progesterone, so like the Mirena, for example, what it also does is help to make the lining of the uterus inhospitable. That's a lovely term. That's the term they use. Inhospitable. So meaning like you are not welcome here, do not implant. So they you know, they have, um, they have pretty good, um, effectiveness for sure, because the it's irritating everything. And then it's like, you're not welcome here. So usually there's, there's no, there's no chance of becoming pregnant. However, on occasion it does happen. I've, I've seen people be pregnant with an IUD in, so they're not a hundred percent for yeah. sure. But yep. it's rare. It's pretty and rare. That was one of the things I talked about with my naturopath too. And I was trying to make the decision. I, I went more off for the coppers. I still wanted to have a normal period and I wanted to be fertile as soon as it was removed. Because I see it, it's mm-hmm. a huge struggle with a lot of my friends as soon as they go off the pill and they're actually looking to get pregnant. The a length of time that it takes them that they weren't aware of, that they didn't plan for, um, it takes them by surprise for sure. And the other thing, definitely, the other thing too, I just laughed because. Um, when you're talking about how a sperm can't be fertilized when you have like an IUD and that's kind of the, you are not welcome here. Have you, have you seen the movie, uh, how to be single? I have not done. So this analogy won't work, but there's one scene, there's one distinct scene. And I I think it's, um, what's her name? She was in pitch perfect, blonde hair, rebel, rebel Wilson. So rebel Wilson. And they're in the sauna. And I guess one of the girls' towels creeps up a little bit. She's like, have you not waxed in months? And then she's like, <laughs> what does she say? She's like, no dick shall enter here. <laughs> and as soon as she said that, I was like, no. I was like, no sperm shall enter here. Um, I love that. You're hilarious. And, and that's right. <laughs> and that, that's the idea. No sperm shall enter yeah. here. It is a, you know, I mean, that's another form of birth control, but it's not the fun one. Yes, it's very true. Very true. So I guess, can you talk about a couple forms of the birth control, like the pill versus an IUD versus alternative options for females? So maybe the kind of like the the best, better, and then good versions? Okay. Well, in my humble opinion, um, if I was to be looking at an option of birth control that wasn't natural, I would be doing what you're doing, a copper IUD. In my humble opinion, that is, that is your best option for something that's a set it and forget it type of situation. It's inserted. It sucks. The insertion, I probably, I bet you was not very comfortable. Gingers have a really high pain tolerance and it was fine for me. It felt like a low cramp, but I've also heard people being in pain for two weeks after. Did you have any bleeding? I don't think so. No. No, yeah. that's good. And good. Because gingers also tend to bleed a lot. So be aware when you're having babies. Great. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Something to look forward to. I'll remind oh, you. Don't worry. You. Bring extra pads. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Well, yeah. So there's a few other, a few other fun things that go along with being a ginger besides being stunningly beautiful. Um, yes, you do tend to bleed a little bit more than the average person. Oh, so please stop being so excited to get pregnant. <laughs> um, 
my so i i do teach um natural birth control which is a a method of charting your cycle it has if you're using the method correctly and this is this is where just like anything else um if you're not using the method correctly there is potential for you to get pregnant when you don't want to so i um i am currently an intern uh holistic reproductive health practitioner. So that is like a fertility awareness educator. So what is fertility awareness? In order to get pregnant, you need to confirm that you ovulate and then you have to get sperm to the egg. That's, we all know this, like this, I'm not teaching you anything new. We're not reinventing the wheel here. (laughs) It's revolutionary done. But you, but most women don't know that they ovulate or when they ovulate or how long their cycle is or what is normal, what is not normal. So the first thing that you need to do with natural birth control or natural fertility awareness is that you need to become intimately aware of your body and the information that it's trying to send you. So we're looking at your basal body temperature. So you take your temperature every day in the morning before you get out of bed. You can hit snooze and enjoy a few more moments of silence while you take your temperature Then you write it down and you get up and you go about your day. You're watching to see what's going on with your vagina, uh, what kind of mucus it's it's sending you today. So that's when you go to the washroom, you're checking uh, to see if there's any cervical mucus present. And if there is, you're making note of that. And then you're looking to see, do I feel any um, what's called middle schmerz or um, what we also sometimes call um, ovulation pain? which can indicate that you're ovulating. And then knowing how long, like once you've ovulated, once you've confirmed ovulation, um, knowing how long to be safe for. So whether you use a barrier method, such as a condom or, um, you know, a diaphragm or a cervical cap or one of those mm-hmm. things, although I, condoms are usually the fastest and easiest, you can still be sexually active during the time that you are fertile. But your fertile window includes all of that time that you're producing cervical mucus until you are no longer producing cervical mucus and you've confirmed that you've ovulated and then you give yourself another 24 hours plus a couple of extra days just to be safe. And then then you can avoid pregnancy without having to put any kind of synthetic hormones in your body. So although, like I said previously, the pill was revolutionary for women because now we didn't have to bear the burden, pardon the pun. Um, yes, it's a pregnancy joke there. Bear the burden of, of being pregnant because you had intercourse. Like, that's terrible. And it is. you should be able to have sex, enjoy your sex life, and only become pregnant when you choose to become pregnant so that you can be happy with your life, right? There's so many people who make an error and then they get pregnant and they either have to make a horrible decision and I don't know anybody who's made that decision lightly or you have to have a baby and most of the time that's all put on the woman and so birth control hormonal or otherwise with or without its side effects was amazing and I don't want to take away from any of that but for women who choose to become um, choose to have a family when you come off of the birth control pill yes suddenly you're smacked in the face with what what your cycle is really like. And if you had problems before your cycle, you went on the pill, your cycle will be the same when you come off the pill. So there's no change. Yeah. Like it's not making anything better. It's not fixing anything. It's not balancing anything. It's just providing a Band-Aid 
and then you, you know, off you go. Well, I think the other thing too, and a couple of my friends have said this to me, that they've gone in because they've had either a change in, in weight or they've had a breakout in acne or just like their mood has been super unstable and their doctor just switches their birth control on them, but doesn't actually address the underlying hormonal issues or imbalances that they're going through. So I think right. that's the other thing too, is any female that goes into their doctor and they're like, I'm struggling with acne. Uh, I'm struggling with, it could be anything from mood to depression. They're like, oh, well, you're about the right age. And yep. it's, it sucks. It's almost like getting slapped with antibiotics, right? It's like, oh, that'll do it. I agree with you 100%. And again, I'm not knocking doctors. They sometimes do the best that they can with what they've got. And, you know, that we need them. Like yep. in a life-saving, yep. <laughs> if, if, I'm, if I've severed my arm, trust me, I'm not using essential oils to yes. fix that. You know, I'm going to the hospital, yep. right? So um, they do they are there and they do serve a purpose, but I really think that we've relied too much on uh, the pill being a fix all. It really, really isn't. It's just contributing to stuff. And honestly, I'd rather knowing what I know now, I'd rather go through like an awkward icky phase when I'm like 17 and I've got acne and I've gained some weight and whatnot. I'd rather suffer then, than in my thirties when you come off the pill and all of a sudden all that stuff comes back. So it's, it's tough too, because I think when you're, when you're a teenager, you're going through high school and high school depends on your experience. Some people love it and others hate it. And other times it's like the worst thing of your entire life. Um, right. And then to go, I can essentially go back through all of the same symptoms, um, symptomology that you're experiencing when you were so young in your thirties, you're like, like, what the fuck? Like what's happening? Right. Exactly. Like, I uh, I didn't ask for this. This sucks. So you know? Well, now this leads into my next question in terms of what are some things that females should be doing daily to, again, if they're, if they're thinking or even just pondering the idea of having kids in the future, um, what are some of the habits and the daily things that they should be doing to take preventative care? Um, and just, again, like good menstrual and, yeah, menstrual health. <laughs> okay. Well, good menstrual health. <laughs> this is going to sound so funny. Take really good care of your liver. The liver is the number one organ that does so many things. Like I, we don't have time for me to go through everything that it does. But the one thing it's going to do is help you to get rid of toxins in your body, help you to break down um, hormones and excrete them from your body. And it is the number one factor of good hormone health is a healthy yep. liver. Your Your entire endocrine system which is the your hormonal system is like a cascade it's like a big waterfall if something at the top of the waterfall is not working the things at the bottom aren't getting water and that's how you have to think of it so your thyroid your pituitary gland like your ovaries like all of these things are all connected and in men it's their testicles so hormonal health is and liver health is important for both genders but definitely for women. And if you have a healthy liver, your menstrual cycle will be easier. There will be less cramping. There'll be less everything if your hormones are in balance and your liver is doing its job. So if you want to have a good, healthy liver, you're going to want to pack your day-to-day with 
excellent nutrition. Like I cannot stress that enough. Just getting rid of junk food alone will make a massive difference. And then you want to take it to another level, cut your coffee in half and start drinking green tea. You want to take it to another level, jack your green vegetables and eat them at every meal. You know, mind your blood sugar, do all of these things. Like blood sugar is a number one um, thing for people with polycystic ovarian syndrome and uh, poor poor sugar control will be a detriment to getting pregnant naturally. So that's really, really important. Um, And drinking lots of water, preferably filtered water at room temperature. We don't want to throw your digestion off either. So lots of water really keeps you hydrated and keeps everything moving. Yeah, I love those tips. And the other thing too is the, um, oh, I forget the uh, medical medium. So he came out with a book that's Mm -hmm. all focused on the liver and it was the biggest it was a, a bestseller for a while, and then we went through this whole celery juice craze, and then celery was seven dollars a stock, and all that fun stuff. But I think it's brought a lot more awareness to the importance of our liver and it essentially acting as a filtering organ. Um, and ever since yes. learning about it in nutrition school, I have vowed never, not actually, I've never eaten it, and I never will. Is liver and onions? I can't. After learning a, just a tenth of some of the things that our liver does for us, like mm, can't do it. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? Unfortunately, it's also an amazing nutritional source, but I agree with you. So I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of liver myself. And again, for the same reasons, like, do you know what that organ does? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, what's it? a couple of friends are in Ireland right now and they're having um, like uh, no, that's Scottish. Is the haggis right? Yes, the haggis um, is Scottish. Yeah, eating a lot of like sheep's heart and all that disgusting stuff. And I'm like, I don't. Oh, I can't. If they, if someone ever made me stew or chili over there, I probably wouldn't eat it because I know that's where they hide stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah. don't eat that. <laughs> so you, you mentioned uh, so load up on water, load up on green vegetables. Mm-hmm. Are there any other specific foods you're recommending for someone who's looking to balance their hormones that they're in like the best possible? fertility shape um, when they are trying to conceive? Um, So this is tricky because to me, everybody is different. And what's going to balance your hormones is not going to balance your neighbor's hormones. And and I I could have two women come to me with very similar situations or what they think are similar situations that have different root causes. So, you know, at the end of the day, getting rid of junk in your diet is paramount. It is really, really important to cut all of that crap out. Don't eat, you know, and I'm, here's the other thing. I'm not a purist. Like if you're going to go out to a party, I'm not going to say don't indulge. Mm -hmm. Like the occasional indulgence is great. Live your life, enjoy yourself. You've got to be happy and not constantly worried about what you're putting in your mouth. But if you're actively trying to have a baby and you're struggling, that puts you in a different category. And that is where I would say, listen, give me three months, give me three dedicated months, let's work together, let's chart your cycle, let's watch all these changes, let me show you, you know, what you should be doing and, and let me show you the effects it's having on your, on your cycle. And then, and that's a different ballgame. In general, happy hormones come from a healthy, happy body. So proper nutrition, making sure you're eating your, you have to eat enough food, that's number one. Eat a balanced diet so that you're having enough protein, enough carbohydrate, enough mm-hmm. fat, all of those things, and really good quantities or quality um, 
meat products if you're eating meat. If you're not eating meat, that's a different situation. Yep. <laughs> and you've got to be making sure you're getting enough protein and you've got to you've got to make sure you're getting enough of all of the macro and micronutrients. Like the thing with nutrition is that it's not a one stop shop. You can't just go to the store and pick up the best diet plan for yourself and move on. Like it's a little bit of trial and error. Um, And especially with balancing hormones, you know, I've used myself as a guinea pig before. And last summer I did a full month of strict AIP for those who don't know. That's autoimmune protocol. And that was the toughest 30 days of my life. I remember we were up your kitchen when you had to follow it. We were like, oh, that's right. Uh, do you have any? And we, the poor waiter, said to bring like the allergy list for you. <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, yes, I can have this, 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 and this, and I can't have any of those but things. It so really the good, good meal, though, if I remember correctly, it was an it was an awesome meal. And you know what? I lived, and I was thirty days was I was really really good. So I've done it. I've tried different supplements and charted my cycle to see you know what does it do, and it doesn't do the same thing for yeah. everyone. So I'm. Often I'm just, I'll give you like basics, like cut out junk food, don't drink too much coffee. And by too much coffee, I mean more than two cups a day. Drink lots of water, like three liters a day, you know, include vegetables at every meal, eat the rainbow, all of that kind of stuff that's pretty generic. Only because I'm not going to help you if I can't sit down and talk to you and find out what kind of help you need. No, and I like like that too. Throw in. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, and that's not effective. And so I love how you keep bringing it back to the point of everyone's different. Every case is unique. Every case is individual, and that's one of the cool bits of being a doula is you get to find someone's story, right? You know how mm-hmm. like, you know are they struggling to conceive, and then watching them throughout the process of getting pregnant, being pregnant, <laughs> sometimes loving being pregnant, <laughs> and then the right. end, the, <laughs> the baby. And I think that is so cool. So. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is as a doula and like what a doula is kind of if you can do a quick little two sentence summary of what a doula is and then a day in your life. Yeah. So a doula is a, is a non-medical birth companion. So that's the shortest form I can give you. Basically I'm not there as a doctor. I'm not there in any capacity other than to give you information, physically support you and emotionally support you and your partner. I love that. Yeah. And people underestimate the value of doulas because they don't really know what they do and nobody wants to necessarily ask and not seem like they know what they're talking about. Um, But most of the time I'm hired because the birthing person wants their partner to be cared for and they don't want to have to worry about them while they're doing their job because the birthing person has one job and one job only, and that is to get that baby out. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's it. And all the other stuff that comes before the pushing, right? And the partner, they're there to support the birthing person. And I do my best to just, I'm like a good glass of water. You pour me into a container and I'll take shape of whatever container you pour me into. I love that. It's a beautiful analogy. And that's, that's what I do. I fill in the cracks. And again, everybody's birth story is going to be different. And I don't do... I, although I do all the same things at each birth, I do them differently and I do them in a separate way. Some people want to talk. Some people don't want to talk. Some people want to be touched. Some people don't want to be touched. Yeah. You know, I make sure you eat enough that you pee, that you, if you need to be rubbed or touched, I do that. So it's, um, it's a very unique relationship that you develop with your doula in my 
in my case. Um, I get very, very involved and it's a very trusting relationship. You've got to, you've got to trust that person that you're inviting into that very vulnerable space. And I develop very good relationships with my clients and, uh, I love it. I love what I do. I love you. You're incredible. I said that at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you. Anyone who's looking for a doula, I've mentioned you a number of times to clients, but also, uh, friends who have just told me that they're, that they're trying to make babies. Yeah. Good luck to everybody trying to make babies. That's for sure. We have fun trying, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Try, try, try every day. Well, the other thing, have you seen, okay, (laughs) promise me you've seen the movie, What to Expect When You're Expecting. Okay. Of course. Good. Thank you. Okay. So do you, uh, do you remember the scene when they're in the, her, it's the, it's the anal girl who's trying to get pregnant, blonde hair, she's in her shop (laughs) and then her phone goes off and it's like this baby making chime. She's like, and then she's like, Jerry in the back. And uh, they have it so time. So one last question that I have for you is if yeah. someone is not tracking their period, what are your recommendations mm-hmm. for? Actually, would you recommend that people are tracking their period regardless of whether they're trying to get pregnant? And second off, why? And third is uh, what apps or resources or tips do you have for them to help them do so? Okay. Yes, I okay. highly recommend that every woman chart her cycle. It is so much more than just charting your period. It gives you so much information about how your body is is working. So yes, I recommend that for everybody. It's, it is a life skill that I think every woman should have. And so many of us are afraid to do it or don't want to take the time in the morning. So we're talking about two minutes to take your temperature and write it down. That's what it takes. Okay. That's That's the amount of time it takes in a day. Why should you do it? Because now you'll have an idea of when you're fertile, when you're not fertile. So when do you need protection? When, if you're in a committed relationship, I don't recommend that anybody just go out and have sex with randoms <laughs> without some sort of protection because STDs are STIs. I'm just, I'm dating myself there. STIs are on the rise. Like syphilis is up like 248%, I think, or 148%. I saw that stat. That's craziness. 148%? So, yeah. Oh, that just makes you want to like cross your legs. Right, right. No, no sex with randos. That's, that's my motto. (laughs) So if you're going to be, if you're in a committed monogamous relationship, even if it's not monogamous, if you're in a committed relationship, and you know, your partner or partners that you're having intercourse with, and you choose to have unprotected sex, but you do not wish to get pregnant, this provides you the opportunity to know when that's safe and when it is not. Yeah, right. So that you know, the risk that you're taking before you take it. Um, and what was your third question? Oh, third question is what apps or resources or tools do you recommend to help them do so? Okay. Well, just a brief um, a brief thing I want to say about apps and their predictive quality. So you can be using an app on your smartphone. Uh, for example, I use Clue, and I don't use it for anything other than tracking um just the how long my cycle is and some of the symptoms that come with it. I would not use its predictive ability to to like have unprotected sex when I don't want to get pregnant yeah. because it's it's not it's not correct in predicting when I ovulate. It's just spitting out information based on the month before and because your cycle can change if you're not confirming that you're ovulating with a temperature shift um you know that's you could be you could be ovulating before or after the app tells you to. So if you're, if you're, you know, having unprotected sex 
and you're like, oh no, if I get pregnant, this is going to suck, then you could very well get pregnant. So it's not really the best form Like you really need to find a tried and true method of um, fertility awareness that you can be, you're looking for a, um, a symptothermal format. So you're looking at something that's taking a look at your symptom, symptoms of ovulation, as well as confirming through a, th- a thermal aspect. So your temperature. So what thermometer are you using to take your temperature in the morning and what do you recommend for them? If that's... I use I use a Garatherm uh, digital thermometer. It's really hard to find the Garatherm glass thermometers, but if you can find a glass one, that is the okay. best. The, um, the the downside to using glass is that sometimes they contain mercury, so if they break, it's not good. Yeah. Um, but the digital ones the digital ones are pretty reasonable, so that's why I use the one that okay. I use. Okay, there we have it. And you can you can buy that off of Amazon, and I do not get any commission for saying that. <laughs> Amazon runs the world nowadays. <laughs> everything on there right right we we all thought from beyonce that it was girls who run the world it is amazon if only it was a girl who ran amazon then that would be right that would be brilliant how do we do that well jen you are a complete wealth of information and i love talking to you every time and catching up with you thank you and following all of your all of your events and life happenings and you just mentioned that your youngest one who i've known I haven't known him personally, but I've known, like, I've seen your kids and watched them grow up on Facebook. They're like, oh, yeah, he's 16 now. I'm like, holy crap. So you're just completely crushing it, but you were also in school to continue your education as a doula. Um, Where can people find more about you? So website, Instagram, Facebook, uh, best way to connect with you. And are you currently taking on clients? I am absolutely taking on clients. Uh, you can reach me if you're looking for doula support. You can find me through nationalcapitaldoulas.com. That's in the Ottawa area. You can uh, send us a note and arrange for a meet and greet. That's a one-hour meeting in your home. Uh, no charge where you get to meet me and find out what I can provide mm-hmm. for you. And it uh, gives me an opportunity to find out what you're looking for. Um, it's basically a little interview and it allows us to figure out whether we're a good fit for one another. It's super important to me and to my clients that we have the right, right fit for sure. If you're looking for anything else, uh, just want to connect with me. Facebook right now is the best way as I'm overhauling my website and getting a pile of new stuff, um, to put up there. Uh, so it's Jennifer Cameron wellness on Facebook. Drop me a line. I'd love to hear from anybody who has any oh, questions. You are so, so sweet. Um, and like I said, I loved interviewing you and connecting. And we were just talking to you about going for, for dinner for a nutritionist group because we need to do that. But now that there are babies and puppies on the scene, it is much harder to do so. But we'll, we'll make something happen. It is much harder. Oh, for sure. We should maybe even do a like an in-home. I'll, I'll invite everybody over around Christmas. Oh Let's God, do that. We can drink and make mimosas and healthy mimosas and all that fun stuff. Right. And you can bring those delicious energy oh balls. Oh my gosh. Every time I go over to someone's place, they're like, did you bring the balls? And I'm like, oh, you mean yours? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> oh man. So there you have it, friends. Everything that you need to do to maintain a healthy, healthy period, healthy hormones, what a doula is and what to expect, essentially when you're expecting um, or trying to get pregnant. Actually, that's a really good title for the podcast episode. It's like what to expect when you're expecting to get pregnant. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. Leave us a review or rating on iTunes or email us directly at lindsay at lindsaymustard.com. If you're ready for more and you're looking to supercharge your health and finally tackle 
all of the health goals you set for yourself back in the new year, don't miss out on your chance to book a free 20-minute nutrition coaching discovering call with me, Lindsay. I've opened up a limited number of spots in my calendar to connect with the individuals who are ready to jump in with both feet to create nutritional habits that'll last a lifetime. There'll be no more worrying about weight loss or why you're constantly bloated, tired, or struggling with mood swings. If you've ever wondered what private nutrition coaching has to offer, this is your time. Click the link in the show notes to schedule a free call with me, Miss Mustard, and leave with the clarity, confidence, and coaching plan that is tailored to your individual needs to take your health to the next level. Healthy doesn't have to be hard, and I'm here to show you how to make it happen. And maybe to convince you to like kale along the way. Spots are limited, so book your call now by clicking the link in the show notes below. As always, if you're looking for one bowl wonder healthy recipes and nutrition tips that don't require you to break the bank, you can find that and much more on my Instagram page at Lindsay Mustard or on my website, lindsaymustard.com. As always, stay rad friends and eat your greens. <laughs>